Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 30th of August, 2021, the 22nd of Elul, 5781. Coming to you from beautiful Jerusalem, just outside the walls of the Old City. Hope you're doing well and you're part of the world. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me, Josh, at thelandofisrael.com. On Facebook, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston, Israel Advocacy and Journalism. On Twitter, at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. My apologies for not being around last Monday. I was on vacation enjoying beautiful northern Israel, the Golan Heights, uh, the Kinneret, the Lake of Galilee, and so many other things to do in the north. Had a beautiful three-day vacation, but I did not record my weekly podcast. And tremendous amount has happened over the past week. And I was planning on starting with of course, the meeting between Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and U.S. President Joe Biden. But I just got this story this morning. Uh, this secret meeting took place last night, which just found out about between Palestinian Authority head Mahmoud Abbas and Defense Minister Benny Gantz. According to Times of Israel, they met last night in Ramallah first high-level face-to-face talks between Israel and the Palestinian Authority in over a decade, if I'm not mistaken. A statement from our Defense Minister Gonza's office said the two discussed issues related to security, diplomacy, economics, and civil affairs in wide-ranging talks. So as far as I know, this was not uh, made public until the meeting actually happened. And of course, it does come just immediately following the meeting between Naftali Bennett, Prime Minister Bennett, and President Biden in Washington. Um, Gans told Abbas that Israel is ready for a series of measures that would strengthen the PA economy, according to the statement. So, number one, here we have Israel's defense minister essentially re-legitimizing Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian Authority. And I know there have been, there always have been contact between the two sides, but here you have a face-to-face meeting. Despite the fact, by the way, that the Palestinian Authority continues, continues till this day to reward terrorists, Muslim terrorists, and their families through their pay-to-slay program. They get paid If you're not familiar, the terrorists who murder Israelis get paid on a scale, a sliding scale, depending on how many people they murdered, how many people they injured. The more Israelis, the more Jews you murder, the more money you make. And that policy is still in place today. So Defense Minister Gans essentially ignoring the pay-for-slave program, slapping those victims of terror in the face and going to meet Mahmoud Abbas, You can turn around and say, well, Bibi Netanyahu also uh, met with uh, Mahmoud Abbas and Yasser Arafat and the rest. And this isn't a defense of Prime Minister Netanyahu, but I'm talking about our current leadership, talking about strengthening the PA economy. If the PA economy is in trouble, why doesn't Mahmoud Abbas use his millions and the millions he is embezzled from funds being transferred to the Palestinian Authority, which are in his coffers and the coffers of his children, as he's living like a king and his family are living like kings, 
uh, throughout Judea and Samaria, why don't they use some of that money to help the average citizens of the Palestinian Authority? Why don't those members of the PA who have mansions and palaces, why don't they chip in a little bit and help the PA? Why is it always Israel? Or why is it always the international community that has to step in for their problems? We see that time and time again. And this meeting is extremely, to me, extremely disturbing at this juncture. It kind of shows that we're going back to that mentality that, you know, Hamas and Gaza, they're the bad terrorists. This was the Oslo mentality. The Palestinian Authority was supposed to with the weapons that they were given and the training they were given by the U.S., they were supposed to use those weapons once we armed them, that's our fault, and train them. They were supposed to use them to fight Hamas. Did they ever do that? No. Number one, they were too weak. Number two is when it comes to hating Israel, Hamas and the Palestinian Authority are on the same page. Those two groups may not like each other, but as we saw... Time and time again, since the signing of, signing of the Oslo Accords, when it comes to carrying out attacks against Israel, both the Hamas and the PA-affiliated groups were responsible. So we're going, it looks like we're going back down that path, and that's why I think it's so important. Um, and that's why I think it's the top story today. This, these secret meetings. We saw Oslo. We saw the secret meetings which took place, which led to the Oslo disaster. And here we are again. It looks like it's that same mentality after last night's meeting. So the poor Palestinian Authority, according to this report in 2019, received $300 million. Um, in 2021, just $30 million. Poor babies over there. The majority of the budget which they received is derived from tax revenues which Israel collects on its behalf known as clearance revenues under a 2018 Israeli law. Israel regularly confiscates money from the revenue to penalize Ramallah for its pay-to-slay program. Okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. In July, the Israeli government signed off on the confiscation of 600 million shekel, $186 million over the course of six months, approximately the same amount which Ramallah pays out to this uh pays out in salaries to those terrorists and their families. Okay, so Israel in theory is supposed to confiscate that money. But however, Times of Israel reported on Friday that Israel and the PA have been conducting talks for a financial plan, financial aid plan, that could see hundreds of millions of shekels sent to Ramallah. So in other words, this is a joke. The seizing of these tax revenues are temporary. According to this report, the plan is to turn over a lot of money to the Palestinian Authority Yet they still have pay to slay. And it's preposterous that Israel should be funding the Palestinian Authority when they use a significant part of that budget to pay terrorists and their families. It's absurd. It's obscene. And we're heading down that road. Again, to make it clear, this isn't a defense of any prior Israeli government, which was also engaged in ignoring the incitement and hatred being spewed by the Palestinian Authority and the subsequent terror attacks, which they carry out or sponsor or encourage through their pay-to-slate program. So to me, that's the top story. And we'll talk now about the meeting between our prime minister and President Biden. But uh, that is, I would call that breaking news. Um, just we're headed down the wrong path, folks. Uh, and it's, it's really, really upsetting. Ynet 
reported, which was going to be my top story here, of course, that boarding a plane back to Israel, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett yesterday said that his meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden at the White House achieved, quote, achieved all the goals we have, uh, goals we have out for ourselves and beyond. What was achieved? I don't know. Maybe you know what was achieved. Uh, Biden and I, he said, uh, stroke up a direct and personal bo- uh, bond built on trust. We have achieved all the goals we have set out for ourselves and beyond. I don't know what those goals are. It was my understanding the point of the meeting was to discuss the Iranian nuclear threat. So is Iran still on their path to building a bomb or did this meeting stop that? Um, I have a feeling this meeting did not yet stop Iran from heading towards nuclear weapons. Um, Naftali Bennett cited significant advancement vis-a-vis Israel's security and placing the Jewish state on the U.S. visa waiver list, which he said Biden ordered to settle as soon as possible. We're talking about Israelis being able to go into the United States. Um, this is, I guess, it's a major issue, but it's kind of a minor issue, in the, I guess, in the bigger picture. Uh, during their Friday meeting in Washington, Biden told Bennett he would like to pursue a diplomatic approach with the Iranians first. But if that fails, then we've got other options, he said. First of all, who's going to believe any threats by Biden after the Afghanistan disaster? We've got other options. That's really scary, right? If you're Iran listening to Joe Biden, you're really scared. If you're the Taliban, you're really trembling, quaking in your boots, right? And what is this with diplomacy? You can't negotiate or show weakness to terrorists and Iran being the biggest sponsor of world terrorism. Diplomacy doesn't work with them. Diplomacy just legitimizes them. But this administration in Washington is not like the last administration. Iran is getting stronger, folks, and their proxies flexing on various fronts throughout the Middle East and the entire world. So I don't know how that statement shows that there was anything accomplished here in the meeting between the two leaders when the U.S. is still committed to diplomacy. And I don't even know if I want to read the rest of this, honestly. I mean, I can go on and on about, you know, I have reports here from various sources, Ynet, the Jerusalem Post, the Jewish Press, the unshakable partnership between the U.S. and Israel. This is all old stuff. We know this already, okay? Um, this, you know, love affair, if you will, between the two countries. Great. Obviously, Israel and the U.S. always partners and some administrations better, some administrations worse. And just reading this now, what I had, what I had, uh, printed out here between the two sides, the summary of the, of the meeting. I don't even think I want to read it. Okay. Cause I don't think there's anything new. Iran is still headed towards nuclear weapons. Okay, and um, one, I guess, okay, here's one, let's be fair. Here's here's one positive. Israel made it clear that only Israel, again, it's nothing new, but only Israel would, uh, would defend itself. Or in other words, only Israel can only rely on itself for its defense ultimately. Israel will never outsource its security to the U.S., Bennett said, so that's, you know, that's positive. Uh, On the other hand, something which 
didn't make the top story, I guess it was a less important issue, but maybe now it's more important, was the fact that the president reaffirmed, according to the Jerusalem Post, his view that a negotiated two-state solution is the only viable path to achieving a lasting resolution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And they try to downplay anything about the Arabs living under the PA. They try to downplay any aspect of that in the discussions. But now we see that Benny Gans went to talk to Mahmoud Abbas already. So perhaps, perhaps that was more of a focus than what we are led to believe. Maybe it wasn't, uh, maybe Iran was part of the conversation, but maybe the fact that Gans went to talk to Abbas shows that the whole issue of the so-called Palestinians, the PA Arabs, maybe that played a bigger part in these talks than we have been, uh, we've been led on to. All right. And again, there's so much more analysis here. I'm going to skip it. I'm skipping it all folks. I'm moving on because I don't see anything really of substance in this meeting. Okay. I mean, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a great story by Lav Harkov in the Jerusalem post describing how she and the other journalists spent Shabbat in Washington because they remember they were supposed to come home on Friday, the whole delegation, but then it got pushed off because of the uh, horrible, horrible attacks and we'll get to that also by ISIS on American troops and other civilians in Afghanistan near the airport that delayed the meeting between Bennett and Biden. So I thought it was a I thought it was a great article by Lav just talking about the human side of getting organized for Shabbat in a country away from your family. So I thought that was a great story. It's actually I think it's front page of today's Jerusalem Post. You can go read. Um, the reporter's notebook on what it was like to spend Shabbat in Washington with very, very little notice. So anyway, that's what I'm taking away uh, from the whole story there. I mentioned those horrible attacks on U.S. Army personnel and civilians at the airport in Kabul. J-Post reported that just days before the deadly attack, Senior Israeli defense officials warned that the release of thousands of Islamic State fighters from prisons in Afghanistan by the Taliban was a concern for Israel and the region. So we saw the suicide attacks immediately, possibly carried out by some of these uh, terrorists who were in jail and then freed by the Taliban. Um, on Thursday, of course, some 90 people, including more than a dozen U.S. Marines, were killed on Kabul's in, a con in an attack on Kabul's uh, Hamid Karzai International Airport carried out by Islamic State, officially the ISKP. Uh, that's, how, that's the name of the ISIS branch there in Afghanistan. Senior officials warned, in addition to the thousands of newly released ISKP fighters, the flood of advanced weapons falling to the hands of the Taliban is also a concern for Israel since they can end up in the hands of terrorist groups along the country's northern and southern border. In other words, perhaps the Taliban could sell, and it's from what I saw, it's just a ton of weapons, U.S. weapons abandoned by the Biden administration left to the Taliban. They could sell these weapons to other Iranian, uh, some of the Iranian proxies bordering Israel, uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, who knows who's going to get the hand, their hands on these weapons at the end of the day. In addition, who knows if some of these ISIS characters 
are going to make their way towards Israel's borders, and that could step up the security threat. So what happens in Afghanistan could, what happened in Afghanistan and what's happening now could have an impact on what's going on here in Israel, as the J-Post reported. So that's an extremely important story to follow. Unfortunately, um, Afghanistan and their horrible reality is going to be in the news as the Taliban here 20 years later retook control. But we're going to have to pay attention to how this affects the Jewish state of Israel now that all these bad guys are, number one, in control of that country, and number two, um, some of them are on the loose. Who knows where they are, what they're doing, what their plans are. Um, And uh, we'll have to strongly, uh, I mean, especially our security apparatus, we'll have to keep an eye on where all these terrorists are headed. On the same issue there, the new site Politico reported that U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of names of, this is unbelievable, a list of names of American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies to grant entry into the outer perimeter of the city's airport. They handed over names of U.S. officials and their allies to the Taliban. And the claim was it was for the purposes of keeping track of who could uh, leave the country, who they wanted to see leaving the country, who had permission to leave the country. That's the excuse of the U.S. But you, you hand over a list of American names to the Taliban. What do you think is going to happen to those Americans if they have not succeeded or will not succeed to escape the country and the last plane leaves and those Americans or allies are stranded in Kabul. What do you think is going to happen to them, especially now that the Taliban has a list in their hands given to them by the United States, according to this report? What do you think is going to happen to them? Okay. Uh, I don't think it takes a genius to figure out that those people are going to be on the run for their lives for the rest of their lives, as long as the Taliban is in control. Just absolute absurdity here. President Biden told Politico he wasn't sure that there were such lists. He also didn't deny that sometimes the U.S. hands over, excuse me, sometimes hands over names to the Taliban. Uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And and Jonathan Shanzer, senior uh, VP of research for the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, he wrote on Twitter, And I think this summarizes it. He wrote the narrative that ISIS is hardcore while the Taliban is pragmatic is flat out bonkers, reflecting a total lack of understanding of the landscape. Both organizations are jihadist. Both embrace violence and seek America's destruction. Both are American enemies. So for the U.S. to cooperate then with the Taliban and treat it here, we have the same situation here, same situation here. The PA are the good terrorists, they're the good guys, we can count on them, and Hamas are the bad guys, or Islamic Jihad, they're the bad guys. That, that type of thinking is just, to me, is bonkers. So Hamas dr- dresses a little bit more religiously than the Palestinian Authority, okay? They're not as so-called modern or liberal, but then again, the Palestinian Authority be- literally beating people to death, arresting journalists, and beating activists, okay? So don't sell me this, that the PA is less evil than Hamas. I'm not going to buy that. 
But this is the type of mentality, unfortunately, which has impacted the highest levels of government in the U.S., where lists of U.S. residents, U.S. citizens rather, are handed over to the Taliban with this, somehow this narrative that ISIS is bad and the Taliban is pragmatic. I think that that really summarizes it, the Jonathan Shanzer tweet from the other day. Unbelievable, folks. What's going on in the world? Crazy stuff. We haven't even talked about coronavirus yet. Just other crazy stuff going on in the world. The New York Post reports, talking some ice cream here, Ben and Jerry's again. The head of the board of directors of Ben and Jerry's is accused of alleged self-dealing, doling out tens of thousands in cash from the controversial ice cream company's foundation to fund to fund her own pro-Palestinian nonprofit, according to a watchdog complaint to the IRS. This is ironic, don't you think? Talk about karma here. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? And Urada Mittal, the chair of Ben and Jerry's board. Um, who organized this BDS against Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. She's the one that they're looking at, they're investigating. She's also the vice president of Ben and Jerry's nonprofit foundation. According to this complaint to the IRS between 2017 and 18, the foundation doled out more than $100,000 to the Oakland Institute this is a think tank, an anti-Israel, by the way, think tank, where Mittal is executive director and the only salaried employee. So in other words, according to this report, on one hand, she is head of the board of Ben & Jerry's. On the other hand, she's executive director of this nonprofit, this hater nonprofit. And somehow Ben & Jerry's foundation gave her nonprofit $100,000. Hmm. Put the two, put the two together, there, folks. All right. Uh, it is our contention. This is a possible violation of self-dealing, as Mittal is considered a disqualified person under IS rules. Reads a copy of the complaint prepared by the Virginia-based National Legal and Policy Center. So there you have it. Okay, this Mittal, working for, uh, working as the chairman of the board of uh, for Ben and Jerry's, and taking money from her right hand and putting it in her left hand, essentially to fund a BDS hate campaign against Israel. And this is, this is, look how ironic this is, okay? Listen to this. Part of Ben and Jerry's foundation cash also went to finance something called the Badil Resource Center for Palestinian Residency and Refugee Rights. Okay, so this so-called human rights group, which of course it isn't, they received $3,000 from Ben & Jerry's. The European Union, the EU, they themselves pulled nearly $2 million worth of funding from this Badil group because Badil refused to sign an anti-terror clause in its funding contract. So Ben & Jerry's is willing to fund this Badil Resource Center and even the European Union, who we know, who we know uh, has an anti-Israel position, specifically when it comes to Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, even for the EU, the Badil, um, the Badil organization wasn't kosher. But, 
the organization would not promise that funding would not be diverted to groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. Even the EU stopped funding to the Badil. It just shows you how extreme this woman Mital is, how strong her hate for Israel is. I hope she is convicted, fired, put in jail, whatever. Hopefully she is found guilty of these crimes of taking from her right hand, putting it into her left, giving this Ben and Jerry's Foundation money to the Oakland Institute, which essentially is uh, is using this funds to BDS Israel. I call it karma, folks, and you know what they say about karma, right? So uh, we'll have to see how that all plays out. The Jerusalem Post reported that the Israeli Air Force struck targets belonging to Hamas, belonging to Hamas in Gaza, in retaliation for fires caused by the launching of incendiary balloons and violent riots along the perimeter fence over the weekend. So this stuff is reheating again in southern Israel. Now, I don't know, maybe it's not ever stopped, but you have once again these uh, night disturbances where rioters, terrorists gather at the border fence, burning tires, throwing explosive devices into Israel. And of course, we have uh, the incident last week where an Israeli border police officer, Barel um, Adaria Shmueli, was critically injured, being shot at the border fence, shot in the head. He remains in life-threatening condition at a Beersheba hospital. Please, please pray. I saw yesterday that his condition worsened. Please pray for Barel Ben Nitza. That is his mother's name, Nitza. Pray for Barel son of Nitsa, pray for a speedy recovery. Uh, he was critically wounded, shot in the head by a terrorist along the border there. But we're seeing it yet again, the border with Gaza heating up, with Hamas sending people out there, uh, especially young people, who they use as human shields. But of course, that's not being condemned by anyone. Um, at the same time, a source in Gaza told the TPS news agency that the Hamas leader, Yah Sinwar has been instructed by the organization's leadership not to appear in public due to fears of Israeli attempts to eliminate him. Yes, Israel should, should eliminate him and all the other leaders of Hamas and send a message that we're not going to tolerate the burning of our fields, the firing of rockets, uh, the, the shooting of one of our troops. We're not going to tolerate that. They should all be living in fear. Every head of Hamas and Islamic Jihad in Gaza should fear that their life is in jeopardy, that Israel could take them out anywhere, anytime. That's the way it should be, okay? I say, yes, take out these evil leaders of Hamas and the other terror groups in Gaza. We'll see how that plays out. Coronavirus. We finally got to a coronavirus in Israel. The policies are just all over the place. They change from day to day. I don't know what, I cannot figure out what the policies is what are here, what you can do, what you can't do, when you have to go into isolation, when you don't. It's a mess, Unfortunately, it's a mess, and the policies just daily, new policies. You can have this many people, not that many people. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get your third vaccine. Um, it, it's just, it's craziness. It's craziness here. Um, but Ayel Chaked, Minister Ayel Chaked said that uh, on Channel 13 News, she said, we'll spend Rosh Hashanah together with the whole family. That's what she said. So apparently there will not be a lockdown. School is supposed to start uh, on Wednesday and two days from now. Uh, it's not 100% official. Apparently Prime Minister Bennett is meeting today on the issue because there's only nine days of school in September with all the Jewish holidays. So is it worth it to start school? Apparently there's over 120,000 kids who are now in quarantine in Israel right now. 
through their summer programs and contact with other kids and other people who were uh, who have corona. So that many kids in quarantine already. What's it going to be um, in a month from now? I don't know. Or maybe kids, you know, you could argue, of course, kids need to go back to school and that's it. And they are not, um, they're very unlikely to be seriously impacted by the virus. So send them to school. It's healthier for them to be at home. And I hear that argument as well. On Saturday night, the health ministry said Israel had 8,482 new cases of the virus with a 6.65% positive rate, higher than the day before. The number of serious to critical patients rose to 703. Again, that's of a Saturday night. I don't know the statistics in the last 24 hours. That could have changed. Um, but, uh, but now it's all about the vaccinations. I know it's a very sensitive topic. Um, I personally got my third booster shot several days ago. And unfortunately, the Israeli death toll from the pandemic uh, on Friday, stood at 6,943 Israelis who have died since the beginning of the pandemic. Let's finish up with some good news, some positive news here. Times of Israel reports that Israeli swimmer Mark uh, Maliar took home his second gold medal of the Tokyo uh, Paralympic, Paralympics, sorry, the Tokyo Paralympics on Sunday clinching the win in the 400-meter freestyle, breaking his own world record. Maliar completed the race in 4 minutes, 31 seconds, breaking the world record of 4.33. These are approximate numbers that he set in London in 2019. As of yesterday, his gold, Maliar's gold medal, marked the fifth medal so far for Israel to Tokyo Paralympics and its second medal on Sunday alone. Earlier in the day, uh, rower Moran Samuel picked up a silver in the women's 2,000-meter single skulls. I'm not familiar with that term, but it is a, uh, a rowing event. So congratulations to the Israeli delegation in the Paralympics in Tokyo. They are having great success setting uh, world records, gold medals, silver medals, a bunch of medals. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to all of us in Israel. Uh, they are certainly making us proud. That's going to do it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been Israel Uncensored here on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Joshua Haston, or Josh Haston, Israel Advocacy and Journalism, on Twitter at Josh Haston, and on Instagram as well. Thank you to Tabitha Epstein for everything that uh, she does behind the scenes. Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. Uh, shout out to all the other Land of Israel hosts. And most importantly, between now and when we speak again next week, next Monday, please, God. Oh, actually, what is next Monday? Next Monday is Era Rosh Hashanah. We'll have to see what happens. Maybe I'll record on Sunday for the Monday show. We'll have to figure that out heading into the Jewish New Year and the high holidays. We'll, we'll play it by ear, folks. Let's see what happens. Wishing everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours all the best. Be safe. Shalom, shalom from Jerusalem, just outside the walls of the old city, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Shalom. The Land of Israel Fellowship is ready to usher in the Hebrew New Year with wisdom and faith. Join Ari Abramowitz and Jeremy Gimpel for the weekly online fellowship 
like-minded people from around the globe seeking to learn Torah from Judea. A new cycle, a new world. To register, click on thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.